Well, what do you preach after 25 years of preaching Christmas messages? There's so many different things and themes you can preach on. You can preach on joy. You can preach on the Saviour, which is good. But a message I have in my heart today is one I always come back to. It's the message of hope. It says in Romans 15, 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, say hope, will fill you completely. When hope comes into your soul, it does something. Will fill you completely with joy and peace. Why? Because you've trusted in Him. I want to speak today just for a few moments on uh, some wisdom lessons from the wise men. And uh, this is one of the first key things that attached itself to me when I got saved all those years ago. So you see, it, before I got saved, I was an alcoholic. I lived a life of complete abandonment. I was living from one paycheck to the next. I literally was. It would get that fortnight, I'd get my pay. Three days later, I'd end up and there's no money in my pocket. Drinking all the time. And it affected my mother so much that her son, her eldest son, who was in the police force, was her dream child at that time. And look at what he's doing with his life. Left a little country town, Emerald. Went to Brisbane and became a police officer, a person of high regard in the community. But I ended up just a complete drunkard, wasting my life. And my mum didn't have much hope for the future. But one thing she did do, she didn't put shame on me. She loved me unconditionally and she prayed relentlessly. And she would send me letters because we didn't have email back then. We didn't have mobile phones to send a text. And she would send me letters and write regularly. And what she would do, she'd put those little scriptures in there, those little roll-up ones where you promises, you know, you roll them out and they slide back. And uh, I would read those promises and there'd be promises. And she said, Marky, she's called me Marky. Marky was either um, in trouble or I'm spoiled. And she would say, Marky, I've enclosed a promise for you. And I'd read it and put it away. Well, there came a time in uh, 1981, I came back to Rockhampton where mum lived. And I was on a bit of a break and uh, I ended up, I found out that there was a, uh, a youth camp. And first of all, I came back to Rockhampton because my sister said, my mum is involved in a cult. And she said, I need your help, big brother. You need to come and rescue mum from this cult. And so I came back to Rockhampton and I was on a mission. I was going to find my mum and seek her out and find out where she was going. Well, I went along to this premises where the cult was and I actually found out it was an AOG church. <laughs> and when I got there, I, 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 I'm the policeman, see, so I'm looking for the evidence and the signs of a cult. And uh, strong leader, yeah, they had a strong leader. And uh, they're all in agreement. Yes, they were all just nodding when he preached. Yeah. And then uh, they had this thing there halfway through the service and they're all singing together and I'm just thinking, like this, this is a chant and they're chanting and singing and, and all of a sudden at once they all lifted their, their, their war, war weapons. We call them tambourines today. And they lifted all their tambourines and shook them and started to cry out and shout. And then they went off in this foreign language and I said, yes, tick, 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 this is a cult, this is something here. 
When I sat here in the message, something happened to me. And I, I was starting to get disturbed in a good way, in a God way. And that led into where they promoted this youth camp and uh, down by the beach. And I said, I'll go to that. Down by the beach, young people will go there. Well, I went down, absolutely had an encounter with God. Every message at that youth camp I thought was just for me. How did they know that about my life? Who is this guy? And he'd be speaking prophetically and talking about, you know, when you, when you get involved and do this. And I thought, man, I'm a copper. I, I, how did he get that information about me? And the God began to move and maneuver into my life and began to touch me. And in the end, I just got wrecked in a good God way, completely healed from alcohol, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and came away with that weekend with the prospect of a future wife. That was a good investment for $40. That was so good. But one thing I did come away with, I actually had hope for my future. I had a better hope that I didn't have to drink every day. I had a better hope that I could live my life. I had a better hope that I could bring honor to my mom and dad. And I had a better hope. And hope has always been a key catalyst for me in my life with that. This morning, I want to speak for a few moments on a message, Lessons from the Wise Men. What happens when you start off following a star but find yourself ending up in a stable? This is the story of the wise men. You see, the wise men one day saw a star and they felt the word come to them. There's one being born, the king of the Jews, the new Messiah. Go and meet him and follow the star. And so they set out and their journey would have taken four to five months from the east. They set up, they put their gifts together, they plotted and planned how to get there. They had an idea where such a person of dignity and such a person of royalty would be born. So where did they go? Oh, where else? Let's go to Jerusalem. It's the city, the capital, the place. It's the place. If anyone's going to be born and be God of royalty, it's got to be Jerusalem. So they set out to Jerusalem. And when they set out to Jerusalem, they got there and they began to ask, where's this one born? Where's this one born called Jesus? Where's this one called the Messiah? Where's this one? And conversation started to go around the city, so much so that it came up to the ears of King Herod. Who? Someone being born, a king? They said, send for the wise men. They called the wise men up and they came into the palace and they sat and had an audience with the king and he said, tell me about this king. And they said, oh, yes, sir, there's, there's, there's a star and we're told that there's, there's one going to be born of royalty, a king. We thought it would be here. I mean, if a king's going to be born, it's got to be Jerusalem. And so they called all the religious people together at that time and they said, did you hear anything about this? Like in your readings and writings, did you hear something? They said, yes, we did. And they pulled the scripture out and they said, here, this is where it says. But it says not here, it says actually Nazareth, Bethlehem. This is where he'll be born. And so they said, okay. And the king said, listen, you go and meet him. You go and find him. 
and then come back and tell me so I too can worship him. This is where we pick up the story. And so they then set off again. And as they're setting off to go and see where this one's born, they're still holding on to this thought, one born with such royalty, one born with such dignity. And when they get there, they find the star over an old inn. It's an old guest house. I've traveled through many developed nations and I've stayed in guest houses out by the side of the road and I've stayed in the Philippines, Cambodia and India and I've come to guest houses and you go in and there's a food place and there's a little bit of a, a room there too you can go into. But that wasn't even the place where they found him because the scripture records that when, when Joseph and Mary came, they said, do you have a room? And they went in and they said, no, we haven't got a room, but come out the back because our farm animals, our chook pen is out the back where we keep the ducks and all the geese and where we got the animals. I mean, if you want to stay here, you can stay there. And they said, listen, time's short. She's about to give birth. We'll take anything. Scripture records that they went out and they found and placed him in a food lot for cattle, an old bit of timber with sides and hay, and that's where they put him. This is where we pick up the story. Five months on the road, talking about drawing straws. Who's going to be the first to hold the Messiah? Who's going to be the first to give him a gift? I wonder where he's born. And then they arrive and they come to the guest house and, okay, this is a little bit different. And they go in and say, sir, we're wise men from the east and there's a couple we believe here have a child. Could you show us to the business suite? Do you have an executive lounge somewhere? I'm sorry, we don't. Uh, sir, there's a couple here, but it's, it's a significant, this is not just any couple, they're significant. You would have said, oh, the only one we know, and the woman is pregnant, she's out the back. Or do you have a guest lounge at the back? Show me. No, sir, it's where we keep all the animals. What a letdown. What do you do when you follow a star and suddenly find yourselves in a stable? How has your year panned out? I remember 2020. Preachers like to get catchy little phrases. We like to, in 2004, it's never going to be like before. In 2005, I'm going to thrive. I do. 2007, it's going to feel like heaven. Well, along came 2020, and we all came out and said 2020 is the year of clarity. We know exactly what we're going to do. It's 2020 vision. We know, and we set off in January, 2020 vision, here we come. 20, and then February comes along, 2020. And why did they have to put March in? COVID came. No one knew whether they were going to No vision, no understanding. How is your year shaped up? How is your year shaped up with relationships when you set off at the beginning of the year and you thought, this is the year? How is your marriage 
You said others have been struggling and last year was not the best, but I know this year, I know 2022 is going to be so good. How is your children? Okay, I struggled last year and the year before, but I know this is the year. How is your health? How are you at the end of this year? Because this is where we found the disciples, the, 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 the wise men. They were captured in a moment of disappointment. And disappointment is the gap between an expectation and a reality. It's where you hold in that place for too long. So what did they do that we too can learn from them this morning? For a few moments, I want to just, just lean into them. The first thing they did, they looked for God in the stable. Matthew 2.11 says, they entered the house and saw the child in the arms of Mary. What I like about this, just one word, they entered. They could have paused, they could have withdrew, they could have retreated. But along life's journey, when you're going and all of a sudden something comes that you're not expecting and you're given the opportunity right then and there in this place of disappointment, what do you do? I'm so glad that after four to five months of walking, four to five months of journey, even when they got there, they said, we're still holding on to the promise and we're still going to enter into the room. It doesn't look like I thought it would. It's not shaped up the way I thought it would. It certainly doesn't smell the way I think it would. But I tell you what, it's, gonna not, it's not going to stop me from entering in and moving forward still with that promise that God told us. We saw a star. He spoke to us about it. We've been traveling. Yes, it's not exactly how I perceived as Michelle was sharing, but I'm telling you what, it's still not going to stop me from opening the door and stepping in to see what's there. This is what I'm going to do. So they entered the house. They kept looking. The stable did not stop them looking for God. What does it mean, Pastor Mark, would you say look for God? Well, Psalm 136, one gives us a clue. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. What they were looking for was something good. Okay, it smells different, it looks different, yeah, but there's something good in here. There's something good in my environment, in my marriage at the moment. I tell you what, it's the end of 2022. It's not looking the way I wanted it to believe. It's not shaping up the way I thought it would be. But I tell you what, as I hold on to God, I'm sure I will see something good somewhere. There's something good I can attach myself to. Surely there's something good I can see. Elijah ended up in a place he never thought he would be. 
He stuck out in the middle of the desert. He'd done everything right. He'd done everything by the book. He'd followed God and now he's on the, he's being chased. And, and the prophet and the word of the Lord came to him and said, listen, get ready to run because I'm about to send rain like never before. It's going to pour. You've done what I told you. You've shaped up and fought and you've done the battle. Get ready for the outpouring of what's about to come. And while he's there in this place, he said, oh, well, that's fine. What do I look for? And then he sees in the distance just this little flicker and he tells his servant, he says, quick, get up on that hill and tell me because I think it's something good. And the servant runs up and comes back and says, well, yeah, I, I, I know you're, you're, you're prophesying a downpour. I know you're prophesying an absolute flooding uh, of rain. I, I know you're prophesying that, but, but, but master, it's, it's about as size of my hand. It's just a small plow. And he turns around. He says, that's all I need. That's all I need. I don't need something the size of me. I don't need something the size of seven foot by seven foot. I am looking for something good, just something small, something I can attach my faith to. Now get ready to run. Run, why? Because the thunder's coming, son. That's what's about to happen. And when you attach yourself to something good, it empowers you from the kingdom to release all that that's been held up inside of you. So they came. Didn't stop them. Didn't stop them at the end. Didn't stop them when they went down the back. Didn't stop them when they passed the guest banquet hall and all the rooms and they came out and pushed and the ducks flew and the chooks flew and that. They still entered in. Joseph, after years of false accusations, imprisonments, in prison. But he looked for the good. And he found the good. Listen to this. And when he touched the good, he gave birth to the good, Ephraim and Manasseh, and named them something good. God has caused me to forget all my pain. And the second one he named, while he was there, he has caused me to be fruitful in my place. And when the sons and when the brothers came, he said to them, God sent me ahead of you to rescue you in this amazing way and to make sure that you and your descendants, say descendants, it's so important that you walk through the door of disappointment and look for something good because it's not only affecting you, it's affecting your children and their children and their children. Your decisions today have destiny outcomes tomorrow. And so he says, it was not really you who sent me here, but God. Can I encourage you today? Learn from the wise men. Look for something good. There's something there. There is something around you right now. Lay hold of it. Og Mendino, beautiful man who started his ministry at the age of 50. He was walking up the main street of a town in America years ago to look for one thing, a weapon to shoot himself. He was so despondent. While he was at the window looking down at a pistol, he had enough money for the pistol and a bullet. And Og Mendino, completely broke, had an encounter that changed his life. And in 20 years, went all over the world speaking. 
And he wrote this poem. Oh God, forgive me when I whine. Today upon a bus I saw a girl with golden hair. I envied her. She seemed so gay and wished that I was so fair. When suddenly she rose to leave, I saw her hobble down the aisle. She had one leg and wore a crutch. And as she passed, a smile. Oh God, forgive me when I whine. I have two legs. The world is mine. I stopped then to buy some candy, and the lad who sold it had such charm. And if I talked with him, he seemed so glad. And if I were late, it wouldn't do any harm. And as I left, he said to me, I thank you, sir, you've been so kind. It's nice to talk with folks like you. You see, sir, I'm blind. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. I have two eyes. The world is mine. And later when I walked down the street, I saw a child with eyes of blue. He stood and watched the others play, and he did not know what to do. I stopped a moment, and then I said, So why don't you join the others, dear? He looked ahead and without a word, and then I knew he couldn't hear. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. I have two ears. The world is mine. With feet to take me where I'd go, with eyes to see the sunsets glow, with ears to hear what I would know. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. I've been blessed indeed. The world is mine. The second thing the wise men did was, we read, they entered the house where the child and his mother Mary were, and they fell down before him and worshipped him. Then they opened, say opened, they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Do you know when I encounter disappointment, it's tempting just to close up shop, not to open up. It says here when they came, they not only walked in, but they didn't just look for the good. They wanted to open up their lives and do good. It says they opened up their treasure chest and gave. I've seen over the years when people encounter situations that they never expected and what happens is the tendency can be there to just shut down and close down and withdraw and all the resident gifts that are in their lives, the goodness, the charity, the serving, the hospitality, all the gifts that Romans 12 talks about to us are not on display. They're not available to serve the body. The Bible talks about us being a body. Every one of you have a gift or gifts in your life to serve and help one another. That's why we are so flourished. That's why you uh, get healed. That's why you are comforted and encouraged because of the gifts that we have one for another. And I've found that as, as I've gone through life, I've seen seasons and situations when people encounter a tough time or it's not turned out the way I thought it would. Well, that's it. I'm withdrawing. I'm clamming up. I'm closing up. I'm shutting down. And I'm, I'm not going to be disappointed again. 
I'm not going to be hurt again. I'm not going to be treated that way again. And it's not working out the way I thought. So I'm just closing up shop. What gifts? Galatians 5.22 says, but what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchid. Things like affection for others, love, exuberance about life, serenity, which is peace. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart. These are gifts that we can bring and these are gifts that we can release. And the frankincense and the myrrh and the gold were all things of gifts that they wanted to bring. It didn't stop them. They didn't say, hey, listen, I, I don't know. I, I think we better go outside and take a vote on this. This is not, maybe we're wrong. Maybe we've missed the wrong star. Go and check another star. But no, they entered in and willingly they said, listen, this is not how I thought it would be, but I know God's in it and everything that's in me, I'm going to bring to this place. I'm going to sow in this place. I'm going to sacrifice in this place and I'm going to honor this place by doing it. They gave. They sacrificed. And they brought their gifts. The third thing is, not only look for the good, not only bring your gifts, but they released a sacrifice of worship. I've put in my notes, they converted the stable into a studio. It says, they entered the house where the child and his mother were, Mary were, and they fell down before him and worshipped him. Yes, it was nothing the way they thought it would be. But this was not going to stop them, not just from sowing, not just from seeing, but also from singing and worship. We're going to worship. I know, Pastor Mark, I, I thought I'd start off this year and would go and minister there, but it's not working out the way I thought. But I'm still going to worship him. I'm still going to lift up worship. I'm still going to sing. I'm still going to give a sacrifice of praise. There's going to be no chorus of complaints that's going to come from thee. And I'm going to make this place, the stable, into a studio. And we're going to have a worship time together. You see, where you worship is where the presence of God is. He inhabits the praises of his people. I'm going to pull God down into my moment as I lift up his name and praise this morning. Paul and Silas knew this. They ended up in a place they didn't expect. What did they do? They began to sing and worship. Worship breaks the chains, not just of you, but worship breaks the power of the doors that hold you. It's a place of freedom where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. That's when we worship. That's where we sing. Get the songs ready, guys. I want you to play the first one for me. I want to play a song and see if you know it. Talking about worship. Turn it up. Thanks, guys. Crank it up. Everyone born after 1995 would not know this. I want to praise the wonders of your 
Josh, do you know it? Oh, good on you, son. He listens to a couple of old classics now and then. Show the person how beside you, how good your voice is. Let every breath, all that I am. See, Trav. Get ready, get ready. All across, oh. Do the way. Praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Okay, slide that one out. I've lost half of you. You're already gone to glory. Why did Darlene write that and when did she write it? You know a little bit about Darlene's story from Brisbane, Queensland. Family, you can read her story. But there was a moment in her life, things were not working out quite the way she expected. She was really in distress. And so what she did, she looked for God and sat down at the keys. And she says this, this song just happened to come out of my personal worship time with the Lord. I was desperate for his peace. And so I opened up at Psalms and I sat at our old out of tune piano tinkling with the keys. And this song, Shout to the Lord, flowed out from my heart. It hit deep so much, I sang it over and over and over again. And as I sang, He lifted me up. Over the next few days, the song stayed with me. And it began to dawn on me, this actually might be a worship song. The prophet came upon a, a, a barren woman. She told her story. Things were not working out the way I thought. And he only gave her these brief words at the time and moved on and he said sing oh barren woman sing the impregnation of your miracle will be birthed in the environment of praise it happens as we sing I remember after I made the big decision after I got saved and I left the police force and the pain and the shame. My mates were ringing me saying, what are you doing? You're just about due to get your first hook. 
first first, uh, promotion. My auntie told me, you're mad giving up a career. And I was tossed. I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew. God did not want me. There's nothing wrong with the police department, but I knew he didn't want me there. And so I resigned and it was only about two months later. No job, no salary. Got my superannuation payout. And about midnight, I was tossing and turning. God, what am I going to do? How do I survive? What job do I have? And fear hit me concerning my income. And so I grabbed my guitar, went downstairs to the little prayer room that I'd built. And I walked inside the prayer room and just got my guitar after midnight and began to sing. And it came out of the scripture. Paul's writings, my God shall provide all your needs. And I began to sing. My God shall provide all my needs. My God shall provide all my needs. My God shall provide all my needs. Every good thing I shall not be denied. And then I wrote, And if Satan tries to rob me and entice me with his snares, I'll stand upon God's holy word and shout what it declares. My God shall provide all my needs. My God shall provide all my needs. A time like just minutes went. And I looked down and I didn't realize I was there for over two hours. Worship lost in his presence, sealed with his promise, healed of anxiety concerning money. I walked out of there free, confident, all because of a song. Play the next song and then we'll get ready to close. Some of you might know this one. We're talking about worship. This is going back. You fall over here, should you know Peter? You know this pastor, Sam? Hannah? Yeah, I don't know. I don't trust that. You'll know it when we get the chorus. You know it, Lydia. 
Sam singing it. He's singing it. by Horatio Spafford. This hymn was written after traumatic events in Spafford's life. The first two were the death of his four-year-old son and the great Chicago fire of 1871. Ruined him completely financially. He was a successful investment property man. His business entrants were further hit with the economic downturn in 1873 and he planned then to travel to England like the wise men to catch up with a young man by the name of D.L. Moody and run the evangelistic conferences. In a late change of plan, he sent his family ahead on the ship because he was delayed by business. While crossing the Atlantic, the ship sank after a collision with a sea vessel and all four daughters died. No son, no daughters. His wife Anna survived and sent him a, a cable telegram which simply read, Saved, comma, alone. Shortly afterwards, Spafford hopped on the ship, travelled across the Atlantic, and while they got to the part where the ship sank, the call went out from the captain. Could we have a moment's silence because this is where the ship tragically went down? It was there at that moment. Spafford said, you can watch as people walked out, but I will worship and sat down and put these words together. It is well with my soul it is well what do you do when you head off in a direction and you end up in a dead end and think this is not working out the way I thought it would or should look for God look for good don't clam up but open up keep giving Keep serving, keep sacrificing, and keep worshipping. Change your stable into a studio. Let your voice be a place of worship. The last thing he did, it says he changed their direction. As they're about to leave, the word of the Lord came and the angel came and said, listen, don't go this way. Go back because your direction from this point has been changed. I'm protecting you. You see, when you adopt this, when you encounter such situations and look for the good, when you encounter such situations and think, I'm going to open up and continue to serve, when you encounter such seasons and times and say, I'm going to continue to worship, what is happening is you are rebuilding and shaping the way of your direction for tomorrow 
and you will walk different, you will talk different, and you will end up in that place of divine appointment of God. I close with this story. Michelle and I were worship leaders in a church and we loved the church and loved the pastors and loved the team. We always opened up our home and always had barbecues and have them over. Young people just all in our house. And Chloe was the only one born at that time. And uh, we'd set off and uh, it was a great year. We went off for holidays. And um, when we came back, reconnected with the church after holidays and started to serve and we invited all the young people over our worship team to come over to the house and have a barbecue and things like that. And, but this time it was different. There was quietness and there was reservation. And uh, you know you can tell when something's not right. And, and uh, I said to Michelle after, I said, did you? She said, yeah, the, the team just weren't the same. And, and to cut a long story short, while we were away, one of the uh, t- team members had started to spread stories about Michelle. I'm sorry, myself, um, concerning my work. I printed off a music roster on my work paperwork, my company paperwork, and not realizing uh, that that man said that was stealing. I was stealing company paperwork or stationery. And he didn't realize that I had to pay for my stationery as a manager. And so he began to spread these stories that Mark is, uh, shouldn't have done that and he's a thief and all of these things. And that grieved me. So much so I just shut down. I shut down. I said, if, if, that's, if that's serving and all these years we've been doing, I'm out of here. I'm not going to serve. And my pastor came and saw me and said, Mark, 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 I, I, please, I, I don't, you know, don't let this thing stop you and what God's doing in your life. And I said, no, pastor, I'm sorry, you know. Traveling through at that time was Wayne Alcorn's father, Alex. Alex and I had known each other for some years and when I was out in country Queensland in a business, he used to come in and have coffees with me and when I was serving in that church and he came and saw me and this is a couple of weeks after I'd shut down and said, that's it, you can take it. This is not working out the way I thought it would be and I put on a real big, you know, hissy fit and uh, he came in and he said, what are you doing? I said, uh, welcome Pastor Alex, great to have you here. He said, uh, I heard the story about you. I said, yes. He said, you know, I'm preaching this weekend. I said, yes, yes, Pastor. And I said, he said, I want you up worship leading. I said, no, I'm I'm off the worship roster. I don't do that anymore. He said, yes, you do. And uh, I said, no, no, Pastor. He said, I've got a board meeting this Thursday with the board and you're coming. I said, okay. So I went along and we got there and the letter from the person was there tabled on that. I thought, oh, this is all I need, you know. They brought the letter out and uh, read it. Halfway through reading it, Pastor Alec leaned across the table and grabbed the letter and began to tear it up. He said, I'm not believing one bit of that rubbish. I know this young man. I've known him for years. And that goes where it should. Table that in the bin. That's it. Moving. Next item. After the meeting, he said, "Uh, see you Sunday. I said, yeah. I said, but Pastor Alec, I'm I'm not worship leading. He grabbed me in close. Little short guy. He said, you will, you will lead. I said, okay. So Sunday came. I told Michelle, 
I said, I'm going to get there and practice worship straight after practice. I'm going outside. I'm not going to go back in that church. And so I waited and they said, worship time. So I walked in and I said to Michelle, I know where this guy sits and I'm not going to look at him. I'm looking over here and I'm going to sing. And so I came in and got my guitar and I did it by, I just did it. I wasn't feeling nothing. I was feeling I want to get out of there. And I got my guitar and I began to sing. And I'm just worshipping over here. That poor group, they never sit there. I'm singing and I'm going and we're having a great time. Yeah, yeah, Pastor Alex is just here. And then something happened. We hit worship. And then I'm lost in him. And as I'm lost in him, I didn't realize. As I'm singing about Jesus and his goodness and his healing, I open my eyes and I'm facing here looking at him and as I saw him he's got tears down his face and he came up and we spoke after but after all of that Alex took me aside and he said son what did you learn I said sir first of all listen to you and always obey you He said, more than that. He said, son, this moment, this moment could have messed you up in your future. And I've seen too many hit a place where they didn't feel it was working out the way it should. But I knew the first thing I've got to do is get you back up in the saddle get you back up doing what you were doing last week get you back up worshipping push back against that thing look for the good keep bringing your gifts to the house keep worshipping and as you do watch what God will do with you in the end Amen can we bow bow our heads and pray come on Father I thank you for this time around your word this morning and I thank you for your faithfulness I thank you for your faithfulness right across the auditorium here this morning. Why don't you just take a moment to say, Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your faithfulness in my family. I thank you for your faithfulness with my children. Lord, my children might not be exactly where I thought they could be or should be. But Father God, there's goodness there and I'm going to hold on. And I'm going to cold. And Father, I'm going to continue to press through. And I honour you today for your faithfulness, Father, over my children, over my grandchildren, Lord. I'm going to continue to speak and see, look for the good. I'm going to continue to bring acts and sacrifice and give the grace and the gifts of my life. I'm going to continue to worship you, Lord. I'm going to continue to do these things right now in Jesus name could we stand this morning and I'll ask the team to sing this song close with this one I love this song go for the chorus
take it, you lead it. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. Can we declare Jesus in the street? Shout Jesus round the yes. mountains, Jesus in the street. 